0: I believe everyone will benefit from hearing all of the conversation. Learning your guide will make it better for me to understand you. Welcome to the Guide to Your Psychopath. This week, uh, I'm interviewing this handsome young man. Uh, He's got uh, life experiences in multiple areas of uh, business and so... I just wanted to go through and get your uh, path on life uh, going through all of the stuff that you've gone through. Um, I will say to my listeners that uh, I did miss my deadline last or this uh, couple weeks ago. Uh, I apologize, Uh, but uh, we're going to move forward and uh, I'm going to try to keep on schedule. All right. So um, for you. Your dad was born in Mexico. Correct. Do you know where he was born at? Mexicali. He was born in Mexicali. Mm -hmm. Your mom was born in Mexicali. Correct. And you were born in Riverside.
1: I was actually born in San
0: Bernardino, but my parents lived
1: in Riverside at the time. Yes. And the doctor, my mom's doctor at the time was in San Bernardino that day for something specific. So they went to that hospital and that's where I was born. Yes.
0: Yes. Now, um, what is your earliest memory as a child? Oh, that's great. Um, Do you remember going to the elementary school? I do. I do. Which elementary? Or uh, just, what was elementary school like?
1: Um, Elementary school, I I didn't have too many friends in elementary school. I was kind of introverted. I was shy I really didn't, uh, yeah, believe it or not, and it didn't, it's funny because I didn't start becoming more of the outgoing individual that I am. I'm a very private individual even now, but my social skills and my people skills have really developed um, and started to blossom at the young age of, gosh, 7th grade or so. Mm. Um, I had a growth spurt. All of a sudden I was tall. I was a a football and a baseball player. Um, and I guess starting to get some attention from young ladies at the time, kind of boosted my ego and I got a big head, but it already already got even bigger. So
0: this was in seventh grade. This was in seventh grade. And when you were growing up as a little kid, Mm -hmm. were you able to play outside? Were you running around or were did your parents keep you inside? What was it like? Oh man, there was no
1: technology at the time. So, uh, Loved going outside, playing with my friends. Loved playing at the county yard football. Um, always end up with something that scratch your bruise. But the cool thing also about that was riding our bikes. Riding our bikes was always really cool. Um,
0: you grew up in a not-so-nice neighborhood. No.
1: And you really had to watch who you hung out with. And i got to tell you that I have... I could have had different paths with the individuals that I grew up in my neighborhood. Yeah. And thank God I didn't go through those paths. And I have different stories that I can share that changed my career, my, my path in life that I don't even share too often because I, it, it's embarrassing as an adult. I can accept it now that I want to associate with those kind of individuals. However, I, I think my parents either for a lack of fear of doing something wrong or getting the wrong group or a um, great job of teaching us right from wrong allowed me to pick the correct paths.
0: So your neighborhood that you grew up in uh, had some black people in it, had some white people in it, but I would say like 95% of Mexicans.
1: Yeah, I would say there was a good mix. Yeah, it was mostly Hispanic dominant. Um, But... I had a diverse group of well, mostly Hispanic and a couple of Caucasian friends that were more lower income, so pretty much, yeah. So it was just, it was a mixture. However, you go up three or four blocks, then you start getting into more of the nicer homes and the people that we were cool with, but you were always just kind of embarrassed to bring them down to your block, if that <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. Um, no, nothing was, you know, my parents always gave us what we needed, not what we wanted, because they didn't make a lot of money, right? And that taught me the value of a dollar, right? That taught me that you can, I, I though it was a very, a lot of disciplinary, a very um, strict household, I think that that was what we needed for the environment that we were in. At the time, Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that that was fair. Or I wouldn't say that that was r- the best childhood, but it was the right child to ha- childhood to have in that neighborhood that you were growing up in, where you had that. Um, there was always those walls up that your parents kept up for you. Yeah, but it was it was the right kind of way to raise. And I got and I have friends that are parents now, and I got to tell you, there's no right. Or wrong way. You just kind of learn as you go on how to raise your kids, and hope that you raise them right. Understand right from wrong. How to be respectful. Proper mannerisms. um,
0: Those those types of things. And um, so you get into middle school, mm -hmm. and the middle school usually in any middle school, the hormones are going crazy, and (laughs) people are trying to find themselves. And there's all kinds of stuff going on. What was it like?
1: Um, I got to tell you, I was I went from being in elementary school where I was just a, another student, right? And then I started playing sports and I had some friends where the elementary schools combined to go to this middle school. And, of course, I had a couple of different groups of friends. I had the close, close friends that grew up in the neighborhood and lower income, the ghetto, whatever you want to call it. Um, then I had friends that were baseball players that were really cool. More of the friends that I should have been hanging out with more. Um, the individuals that I grew up in the bad neighborhoods in the bad neighborhood, um, thought they were my friends, but they got to the point where they were starting to experiment with certain, um, drugs and different things at such a young age. I look back on it. I thought we were cool and older and and everything, but we were, they were still just very young. And of course they were influenced by other kids older in the neighborhoods that were in the neighborhood that were
0: doing the same thing,
1: doing the same thing. Right, high school kids, and they're thinking, oh, this is the right path for us. Um, the most impactful, there was two big impactful things that happened to me um, at that point in my young life that kind of changed my path. And one of them was there is a street that on one side of the street, you would go to this one high school, right? If you're on this side of the street, you would go to the other high school. Where my middle school was, it was the feeder for that high school, right? And I remember wanting so badly to go to the high school. 95% of the students went to that high school. But because I lived on this side of the street, I had to go to a different high school. Let me tell you, if you want a humbling experience, it's going to a brand new high school where you only know two or three people. Like, they're not even real friends. You played baseball with them. So it's like they have their friends and you're. Re- it's a very humbling experience, right? So that was one of the things that... Impacted me because I had to learn how to make new friends, but I also had to learn um, that I wasn't a hotshot anymore. That all the people knew in my middle school, I was like a new guy, which is fine because surprisingly enough, I think with my people skills, um, I was able to make a lot of friends. I became very popular. I became student class uh, student president, ASB president there, um, and just diff- different things there, which which worked out for me. The second thing about that impacted me drastically was there is one time where those kids that I called my friends, obviously I don't, they weren't my friends anymore, but growing up with them when they were young and instant, absolutely. But there comes a line where you think now that you're an adult, you look back and you reflect that, were they really your friends or not? And as a young age, sure, they were my friends, but at a certain age, I went, I didn't want anything to do with them. We were, there's one time where, they were starting to get gang affiliated, thinking they were tough at 12, 13, and 14, right? And this was still in that middle school phase before I went to high school. Um, there was one big instance where we were going to, my buddy had a beef with another buddy from another so-called gang, which wasn't even a gang at that point. It's just like you're tagging and writing names on initials and stuff, and you, but you think you're cool, right? Mm. My parents never knew anything about this. They just thought I was out hanging out this with This was uh, early 90s? Uh, early 2000s, uh,
0: 2001, 2002. So the, everybody was in like a party cliques and mm-hmm. you had to be part of this crew and you Next. guys went out tagging all night long and blah, blah, blah.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say yeah. all that. Um,
0: we were still in middle school. There were some roles, but
1: I had friends that their parents weren't so involved mm. and didn't have curfews and different things. But I was always, uh, really sure about being home at specific times or <laughs> definitely be. And consequences consequences yes but there was one uh, time I want to I say it was uh, it was in October month the time had just changed I remember the, the night pretty clearly and my friends are like hey Paul you know like, we're going to be uh, we're going to go scrap this uh, his name was Ben uh, was one of my close friends um, at the time he is now serving a life prison uh, life term in prison yes and at the time, he's like, oh, Ben's got beef with, I don't even remember what the kid's name is, from another so-called school and gang or whatever. So I had a buddy named uh, Cisco, full name Francisco, but his name was Cisco. And he, uh, uh, he was, you know, they were all associating. There was another guy named Vincent, Vincent who was also locked up. Um, of the three, um, only Cisco was the one that got his life together after he served time in juvie. Um, but the other two are now locked up for the rest of their lives. Um, but um, there was one day where we were going to go. They said, hey, Paul, you know, we're going to go scrap. That, I have never thrown hands on anybody. And we're gonna, they're going to go scrap. We just need us for backup. And I'm um, over here, 13, 14, whatever it was. Like, I got you. I got you. Let's go, you know. So we start walking over there. We had done this a couple of times. And it was always just like a fair fight, one-on-one. Then when it's over, you walk away. It was fine. At those days, like, I don't know if it still is, but girls, like, They always want to duke it out, right? They don't let it... Like, boys and guys and teenagers, you duke it out, somebody wins, somebody loses, somebody hurts their pride, and it is what it is, it's over, no big deal, right? Um, But this time was a little bit different. The kids were a little bit older. The kid that... I want to say they were fighting for a girl, but I don't even remember what exactly it was. So we start walking, and we're going to to this... uh, Like, the orchards, this area of orange trees out there near Victoria that... Uh, we were going to meet, right? And I don't even remember how they uh, I said we're, they're going to scrap it out or whatever, why we're meeting there, but we were meeting there. Um, and one buddy had this, like, cane, and I'm like, what is the cane? Like, what the hell? In case things get crazy, I'm like, what? I'm like, all right, whatever, it's just a cane. Then he un, unscrewed it. It was a freaking sword, right? I'm like, that's not, I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Don't, like, hey, man, don't, don't. He's like, no, no, just in case kids really, I'm like, I don't even think we should bring it, but whatever. No big deal. But it was another buddy, I'm not going to name which one he was, but that ended up having a small revolver with him. And we're walking, and I just remember like something come over me. And it was like, I know, in my mind I'm thinking, I know I'm young, but I'm not this stupid, you know? And of course we're still walking, but I'm starting to slow down a little bit. They're just like, Chest pumped out and they're flexing and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna go do this," you know. And I'm like, "Hey, bro, like, what's that for?" He's like, "In case things go great They're older, man. You don't know what's gonna be popping off. I'm like, "Well, what do you need that for?" He's like, "Just for protection, man. Just for protection." You know? I'm like, "Nah, man. We like we we shouldn't even be doing that," you know. And I had one other buddy that he had such a good heart, but he came from such a broken home, and it, it, to this day, just like, you know such a good guy but from a broken home where mom worked two jobs dad was in and out of prison dad was not a good guy to his mom um he had three older brother two older brothers it was just it was tough but such a great heart and i know he knew that what we what the other friend was doing wasn't right right so he's kind of like slowing down and i see him kind of thinking about it i'm like damn guys i gotta (laughs) we're getting closer we're probably a couple of blocks away now just like, man, I am not about that, guys. Like, come on, don't you have our back? do not you have our back? I'm like, I got you. I got you guys, but I'm not. I am not about that. I'm just not. I don't even think we should even put ourselves in that situation. And I'm sure they probably thought I was a scaredy cat or a pussy, whatever you want to call it, right? But I want to say we got a block or two away, and I was just like, I'm out. Are you sure? I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm like, come on, man. And, I'm like, nah, you guys, I got you for anything else, but I ain't, this just doesn't feel right. It's no big deal. I'm, I'm, a, I'm gone. I was man, I mature enough to say that I was out. And I went home. I went home. My parents thought that I was only, uh, probably, I think, I don't remember what I told them, because they knew we would always play football and baseball and whatever, and we were out and about, and they were cool with it. You know, you just always had to be home. Um, when it was dark or whatever time that they told you. And it was fine. I come home. No big deal. Fast forward to high school where I had to come and go to that brand new high school. And they had to go to a different high school. Um, I stopped associating with them. I, I, if I'd run into him, we were still cool. It was always that respect, you know. Because we knew each other so young.
0: What happened at the fight?
1: Um, one of them got beat up. The friend that was with us got beat up. He had a pretty bruised up knuckle and a black eye. But um it wasn 't too bad. nothing happened there but um i I do have to say that those two of those three one of them two of them, two of the three, when they were sixteen i don 't know what else kind of drugs other than just marijuana and cannabis that they got into, but when they were sixteen, they were really straight up gang banging to the point where um they were so loaded on some kind of drug. I don't remember what it was. I don't even know what it was because I stopped associating with it. But of course you hear through the grapevine, through friends or whatever. Um, that they took a... He was. They were both so loaded and uh, they took one of the dad's shotguns that was always locked up. But I don't know how they got into it. But they took the shotgun. They were super high on whatever it was. They held it to a lady's head and stole her car and went on a joyride. And then ended up crashing in a palm tree. Both of them went to uh, juvie and didn't get out until 21 or something. It was after high school. One of those two got his life back together afterwards. Um, A great father now. I don't keep in touch with him other than following him on Instagram or Facebook or one of those. And he, I think he's an electrician or a plumber or something, and he got his life back together. So juvie helped him out. The other one, when he got back out, I think he relapsed or something. I didn't keep in touch. But, of course, later on, um, I, found, I read in the news, and I saw his name, and, it, man, it just hit me. Um, he was so high. I don't know what he did, but he killed his girlfriend um, and put her in the trash dumpster. And when the trash was, the trash guys or whatever were coming around, they saw the body, and he was still in the house. And some, they arrested him, and he's serving the rest of his life in prison. Um, and the hard part is man, is that I was close with his mom, who was just a single mom doing everything she could for this guy and the family, and the other kids weren't great, like the two older brothers weren't like instrumental, but one went to the military got his he was good the other one he got a low paying income job, but he stayed out of trouble and it worked out for him and then they had a little sister that her and I kept in touch only because. She, I thought, felt like I could help him at times, and the few times that I run into him and I try to, you know, give him some advice, I think it just went in one ear out the other, you know what I mean? And but his sister, like, got so much abuse from him and the others, like, just verbal abuse. You know, I don't think they ever laid hands or whatever. But and his sister is now happily married, um, has a little, little guy. And once time she reached out to me and just said, thank you for trying. I know I asked you and put you in situations, but thank you for trying. My brother didn't, he just wasn't in his right mind, and I still love him, and he's in prison. I don't even talk to him anymore, but it is what it is, he has a service consequence. And I, and I told her, I was like, man, I wish I could have done more, you know. So, uh, that, those were the two, anywho, so those were two of the three. There was one other friend that... Guilty by association. He was gangbanging. This is the one that had uh, two older brothers and a dad that was in and out of prison, right? And <laughs> such a good-hearted guy, but just never had the support. They were always ton on money. I remember buying, like, whatever allowance I had or lunch money, I would, I would get him hot Cheetos or whatever. You know, we'd always share and split because his mom was just trying to make ends meet. The dad was in and out prison it was just tough man he was he was a good guy but he started hanging out and he started slanging uh weed and then i don't know what else he got into and him and another guy that was like two years older than him um they were the local drug dealers we knew him i was always cool with them i didn't do any that kind of stuff but in that difficult neighborhood you have to keep cool with everybody i know i joke around with my friends is i'm good in every hood But it's all about how you approach things, and I really mean that. It's funny, (laughs) but you really just got to be cool with everybody. It doesn't doesn't matter, you know. Um, And those streets are, that area is getting better. But back then, holy smokes, like, I remember my uncles and my brothers and my cousins, like, it was bad. And it got a little bit better, but it was still bad when I was in my childhood. Um, So, anywho, um, fast forward.
0: You're in high school.
1: You uh, we were in high school. Well, let me talk to you about my buddy. So my buddy, uh, over a bag of weed, that other kid, I want to say the guy now was 19 or something. He was only 17. He might have been 18 already. I don't know. Um, some guy tried to jump him for his bag of weed, the two of them. The guy was packing and he popped him on the side of the Brothers, Brothers um, in that same neighborhood. Guy died. They ran off. They both Got life sentences. I don't know. I don't know the whole thing. They, um, but he's in prison for a very long time, if not the rest of his life. I want to say it's the rest of his life because I remember reading about it. But one thing led to another, and um, so those are the three like childhood friends that I had that
0: shaped sh- your path.
1: Shape, yes. But I, I, there's that good. There's always that good in people, but some people don't know how to get that out of them. Yeah. Some people don't have that courage or that bravery to say, you know what? This isn't right. And gosh, growing up, I always stood up for the little guy. I hate bullies. I hate people who think that they're better than somebody else. I hate people that try to punk people. Like I've, <laughs> I've been in three fights my whole life, never started them, but never walked away from them. Um, and they were always picking on somebody else. And that was my problem. And I'm the kind of guy that I feel bad afterwards. I just... I don't like hitting anybody. I don't like... I just don't like it. And afterwards... And it's justified. Everybody says, like, oh, well, they started it. And you had to, you know... You had to stand up for them. Whatever, you know. But I just... Don't like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now in high school... High school comes. And I had to start over with new friends. And I... Damn. Like, (laughs) I was... By my senior year, I was uh, ASU president. I was homecoming uh, king. I was... uh, Man, my junior year, uh, there is this award that goes to usually just uh, just seniors, right? Mm -hmm. And that award... um, I won that award as a junior. And it is a combination of academics, school and community um, involvement, and... Uh, I ended up winning that award which was really weird so I was a student not only like you had a student of the month which is a huge deal in high school you have 2400 students there right and they pick one of each it's usually like a star athlete or uh, the head of the debate club or future business leaders like it just like it was the top top of the students right and I won the student of the month my junior and my senior year right and of those student of the months, they pick a student of the year a male and and a female right my junior year, we're in the big assembly where they have all the classes and in, in the gymnasium or whatnot. And they bring up all the students of the month and they're cheering, whole nine yards. It's cool, you know. And you get, like, a $1,500 scholarship for college from Pepsi um, and whatnot. And it's wild because I'm like, okay, man, I'm around, like, nothing but juniors and seniors. I think there was one sophomore, but it just... I'm like I already know I was I was putting money on that this guy's gonna win to my right. His name was Matt. I won't give his last name, but um, he was, I thought he was gonna like definitely win. He was one of the top ten students in senior class. He was uh, involved in almost any and every class. He played basketball. You name it. I was just like this guy's gonna win student of the year. Like, and then um, they called my name, and people are like cheering whole nine yards. This is a combination of like. 50% of the teachers and students that voted and I ended up winning and it was the weirdest thing. Cause like, I see my dad like walking over and my mom had to work and she didn't have a job that was like easily for her to leave or, or to get time off. And I'm just like standing like, what the hell? And I have somebody rubbing my shoulders. I think it was my buddy Matt and somebody else like congratulating me and I'm like, Oh like damn <laughs> like, and people are cheering me on like the principal shaking my hand i get like a big old like cardboard check thing that from pepsi and some plaque and my dad's there with me taking some pictures gives me like a little hug because my dad and i we aren't huggers you just don't do that much your dad's not a hugger no no but it was cool and it was just the like the wild like i just thought to myself damn like I came from no friends to, like, just joining clubs, trying to play, you know, playing baseball, just all those things to try to, like, be cool, you know? And back then in high school, you want to be cool, you know? Um, But being cool comes with the cost of, like, grades, you know? And um, my grades were good, but they weren't great, and it suffered because I was trying to do so many different things. Um, And anywho, so... My, my senior year, and this is the funniest thing because my freshman year is probably the hardest. And I say that because my mom uh, had breast cancer. And I thank God every day for her still keeping us with, for him still keeping us with her with us, right? But seeing your mom, seeing your mom go through chemo, you're a teenager that had to go to a different school with little to no friends. Um, tch, man, working Took a hard. toll on you. Oh, man. There was times where, like, I'd cry myself to sleep. Like, my mom was the strongest lady I've ever met, right? Like, I love that lady. love that lady. Um, but seeing her at night, like, sometimes crying, sometimes um, not wanting to eat. I know she fought for us, you know. But it was tough, man. It was tough. My The hardest year of my life I want to say it was my 14th right around four, my freshman year in high school 14 and 15 year old right because so much was going on it man it builds character but it pushes you to the limits like there was times where I just thought man this isn't even worth it sometimes it, it sucked but I thought about that um really deeply once um but it you know it got better and I'm like one of the most positive guys I hate negativity I hate drama I hate people that like I just don't like it. You know, like I, I think life is a gift every day. And when I go to bed every night, it might sound cliche, but at night I ask myself, was I, good, was I a good person? Did I learn something new? And was I able to help somebody?
0: So do you think your conflict made you a better person? Um, yeah, I, I would say so.
1: I think, I think you learn lessons in everything you do in life. Whether it's a career, whether it's in college, whether it's having to pick up a second job just to help make ends meet, it's just lots of different things. And, you know, high s- I used to think right out of high school, high school was my 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 best years, right? My freshman year kind of sucked. My sophomore year, halfway through, was getting better. Um, I was homecoming king, something I never thought, something I didn't care about. But, of course, being, like, popular, now all of a sudden my ego is getting stroked and I'm thinking I'm cool. Um, my senior year, I won homecoming, right? And I have a picture that I never, that I love. And it's me with my homecoming, like cape and the the cheap blue crown that they put on you. But it was with my mom and we were in the stands and I just remember my mom was happy and her hair starting to grow back and it's just a picture I'll never forget, Right. And I wish my dad was in the picture, but he was getting congratulated from the baseball dads and the football dads and everybody else. And you would have thought my dad – it's funny because my mom's like, meet And I was like, huh? And like, because you were happy for me, right? But my dad was getting handshakes and like, great job. You know, like, man, you should be proud. And he's like, like he, – you would have thought he won. Like, it was the funniest thing.
0: <laughs> so – He was kind of like El Bundy, <laughs> yeah, right? Celebrating yeah. his past through you. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yes.
1: And I remember having like – A pretty girl that was my date and my escort and man i had a lot of girls that wanted to be my escort of course but uh, just those moments you know what i mean it just it was wild and you know i look back on it it was such a fun night but the thing that stood out to me is i always wanted to make my parents proud right i always want to make my family proud because i'm a big family guy and my mom was happy for me right coming from mexico and mehe Kylie, like they don't really understand homecoming and all that stuff but she knew it was a big deal, you know? And even my mom, like, we were brought up in a home where you don't show a lot of emotions, you know? Like, you need to be a man, you know? Um, my mom hugged me, and it was just, somebody said, hey, do you want me to take a picture? And I was like, oh, yeah, here, you know? I think there was, like, a Polaroid camera or something. I forget what it was. It was, like, an old tool camera. <laughs> and I never forget, uh, like, I've printed that picture out, and I've kept that picture close, and always. And I just remember how my dad was super happy. But circling back, high school was one of those Things that I, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it, but then you go to college, and you, I didn't. I didn't even finish college, um, but I learned a lot, and I went back for a second stint in college, and that's when I really started enjoying it. Um, however, my career path—I I got an opportunity with this new company, this new corporate office, my first like big like corporate office job. But working at the happiest place on earth at Disneyland for ten years before making the leap it was so funny because everybody's like all my brothers and my sister-in-laws and the kids they love me that's unc- that's the uncle right there that's the Theo that lets us into disneyland we love that guy i hope he never leaves there but uh, the thing with that company is that they have great benefits but they are ter- they they don't pay very well at all
0: um so how do they treat their personnel
1: You know, they do little things like appreciation days and stuff that at the time, being so young, which they like to recruit young to keep them long term. They do a good job of taking care of them through their cast members, what they're called, through small R&R things, right? But and their their unions are really strong. Um, Their pay isn't very good, but their benefits, health and dental and all that good stuff is good. Um,
0: so they don't pay very well, but they bring you in inexperienced, correct to build you up and keep you and make
1: you, make you believe that this is the best that you've got. When I was recruited to go to this new brand, right? I, the first thing that stood out to me, I got to the point where I felt like I had reached the pinnacles of my career because the higher you go up. The harder it is to move up. there's just so many people that don't leave and like there's multiple people looking for that position and I got passed up a couple of times and I couldn't I don't know why I never knew why, but um, I still made my way up a little bit and it, it was cool, but I just felt like I didn't know much more except for you know uh, working at Stater Brothers for three years and doing a couple little jobs on the side and different things. However, um... You didn't work for your uncle that didn't pay you, did you? Not that guy, no, I know. Okay. I knew better. It uh, happened once to me, and then it was my, other, my brother and my cousin that <laughs> learned the hard lessons, but I think they stole, he stole the money, but, you know, that's, I'm, I'm not a bookkeeper or, <laughs> or a CPA or somebody. I, I, I gotta tell you, when I got recruited, right, I updated my LinkedIn, I updated my resume, and the, the wonderful thing is when you have that big brand and that company behind you, people... Well, it, it carries a lot of weight. So I am thankful for the experience, and, and it was a, I had fun working there. made a lot of friends, um, just an enjoyable time. But when you got when I started getting recruited by other brands, because I updated my LinkedIn and all those little things and started looking, I couldn't believe how many companies actually wanted me, right? A kid with not, who hadn't, who had like three years of college experience and was back in the school and like, um, but had 10 years of experience. And this is where I have a new philosophy on college, which I think is important, but isn't everything. And I'll explain that here in just a moment. But I started being recruited and there was, <laughs> uh, I, I I got a few different offers, right? But the, the one brand that I thought I would be in, it's a, it's a hot dog chain and I'll just leave it at that, um, because of copyright purposes, I'm sure. <laughs> um, there was, I, there was a number out there that I threw, right? This position, um, started with X amount of dollars, dollars and cents, right? And I, of course, went to the top and just said, I want, you know, this is the number of, you know, if you're interested, we started interviewing and interviewing and my very first in-person interview with my current boss, uh, in person and our HR director that I still am very close with, um, currently, the, and it was fascinating because I, of course you're nervous with an interview, right? But now you're in person interview. My interview went almost three hours. Our HR director that was in the interview with my direct manager, now director, she stepped out after an hour. him and I talked for another Two hours and 40... I'm sorry, uh, one hour and 45 minutes. And he's like, oh my gosh, look at the time. So I felt good about the interview because I knew we had connected, right? But they do their due diligence just as any corporate office does. And as we're walking out, he's like, thanks so much. We spent another 15 minutes. He walks me down the elevator, walks me out to the... the, uh, And we spent another 15 minutes. It was like a total three-hour interview. Um, We had a couple more conversations over the phone and then he brought me in for one more interview. Um... And our CEO, I got to meet the CEO. Well, it was him, and then I got to meet the CEO. If you make it to the CEO, because she is a very phenomenal lady that likes to know everything that's going on. She may not, it's not her job to know every little thing, but she does care about the quality of the individuals that are in her corporate office, and if they have the best interests of the company, and if they're genuinely good people. So I've learned now that if you make it to that interview, you're pretty much getting the job unless you screw something up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, And it's a short 30 minute. She just wants to get to know you. And then she signs on the dotted line so you can make this person an offer or whatever. But the, circling back, the biggest thing that I learned is like, I was worth a lot more. <laughs> I know it sounds terrible, but um, one of the things that I learned is if you're really good at something, make sure you get your, you're doing it for what you're worth. Um, time is money. I would say it. And I'm very involved with lots of different things now in my life, but time is money. You know what I mean? If I'm going to invest, and I, I don't mean that in a sense that money is everything. I, I am far farthest from the truth for me.
0: Um, but, but you're worth
1: something. Correct. Yes. And my time is worth something.
0: You are you don't want to sell yourself short. Correct. Because then, then you'd be disrespecting yourself.
1: Yes. That's why when I got this promotion, and I'm probably saying too much now, but when I got this promotion, there was some um, numbers that were tossed around that to me... I would have walked away because there's a lot of brands and networking that I've done that would have got me to a number that I was uh, looking to. Um, That's why there was two tiers that were... um, Two tiers that I went up, if that makes sense. And... So let me... What's my next point? So I... I've invested in helping a lot of people reach their personal goals, whether that's within um, our brand in restaurants. I've mentored some kids that just need some guidance. I feel like I've helped people. I've always been a people pleaser, and which is good and bad because I don't focus on myself as much as I should, but there's one thing COVID taught me is like only you are going to take care of your health, going to take care of your mental well-being, going to take care of your financial um, Independence, it's only going to be you. No one else is going to, everybody else wants a piece of the pie of what you have to offer them. But you've got to understand at the end of the day, you've got to do what's best for you. And that's hard because I'm not a selfish person, nor have I ever been, nor do I think I ever will be. But I like investing in the youth, the kids. I like investing in people. I, I feel like there have been people in my life that have shaped who I am. And I've learned from them whether it's good or bad. And I've seen a lot of both. There was a teacher, Miss Wynn. I will never forget her. Seventh, oh, it was great. eighth grade, eighth grade. There was a couple of them. They moved me around from all the different people I talked to. I was a social butterfly and got in trouble. But at the end of eighth grade, before I went to high school, last day of school, she's like, Mr. Um, and said my last name and said, um, I want to borrow you for a second. I was like, oh, my gosh, that was the last day of school. Get me out of here.
0: And then she French kissed you. Uh, No, not
1: quite. (laughs) Not quite. She said to me, she's like, you have one thing that a lot of people would die for. One trait, one characteristic. And it's going to either really lead you to a successful path in life, or it's going to take you on a whole different path. This will get you into a lot of trouble, young man. And I'm just looking at her dead in the eye because I'm like, where is she going with this? She's like, you have people skills at the time being a 14-year-old thinking like, what the hell hell does that mean? (laughs) And she's like, remember me when I tell you this. Your people skills and the way that you can influence others and people believe in you will allow for um, will allow for them to follow you and influence you, influence them in a a good way or it'll allow you to get you in a bad path with people you probably shouldn't be associating with. And I hope you picked this skill that you have that a lot of people don't have at your young age and put it to your best uh, and you, into your best interest or something, right? And it always stuck to me. And I've, I was talking to high school kids two weeks ago, um, an organization that we're part of as a restaurant, uh, the California Restaurant Association. I was talking to a group of high school kids at Fullerton Union High School. And I like to share real life stories that can connect with them, right? In high school or whatever it may be in the industry that they're in. Um, And that was one of the stories I shared with them. I said, everybody's got something they can bring to the table that nobody else has. Or very few have. What is it that you have that you can bring that you can make an impact to your friends, to your family, to this world, to your industry, to your business, to your whatever it is. And... It's just, it's some, I feel like kids I can connect with kids I can connect with adults and it's just something I've learned over the years that have made me successful and I will tell you one thing that I truly believe and people were liars to me growing in my career path is people at a young age growing up not having the opportunities that I didn't have until I made them for myself people always say it's, it's all about how hard you work in this life and that'll get you there well I think that's a false statement I think it's fifty percent how hard you work, and the other fifty percent is who you know, who you network with, and who you can connect with. There are people out there in this world that can influence your career more so than you ever imagine. And networking is a huge, huge thing. And I talked, shared it with the high school kids a couple weeks ago when I was speaking to them. Network, network, network. The more that the more people you network with and showcase your skills, whether it's from a job and you moved to another job or whatever, and you connected with them over LinkedIn or whatever it may be, you never know who's going to need that skill that you bring or that trait that you have for that position. And, um, it's something that's been very important now, more so than ever. I've realized that that was the Walt Disney company. That was my new brand. That is the industry that I'm in. Like people have been trying to recruit me out of this, this, this company I'm in, but I love the company I'm in. So I'm not planning on leaving it. Not to say never say never, but, um, networking has a big thing about it but it's also 50 percent of how hard you work as well so it's a a
0: split of that so you think that um there's been a lot of people saying that the um, some of the poor people in this country should just pull themselves up by their bootstraps (laughs) and make their own luck it's not just about that though but you can't you can't just say that it's about luck or it's about networking, but it's got to be about the balance of everything. Yeah, you know,
1: I, I agree. And there's always going to be something that suffers. Um, I go back to the Phil Knight book, uh, Shoe Boss, and that was one of my, my probably my new favorite book. Um, another one, if you guys want to read that, is a good self-improvement book that I've probably read about six or seven times now. And it always connects with me is uh, what got you here won't get you there. But uh, going back to the Phil Knight book in Shoe Boss, you know, in that book, he really talks about the sacrifices that you have to make in your life. And in those sacrifices, they're they're so different. He is the Nike founder that sacrificed so much time with his wife and his two boys. To build this brand that athletes love, that um, it's just a logo, but a brand that is loved by so many, and Nike. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I'm a Nike fan. Um, I don't wear Adidas or Pumas just because I believe in the quality, I believe in the message, I believe in their brand and their diversity and whatnot. But he talks about in his book how he was so growing up poor and less fortunate, and wanting to provide for his wife and kids, he neglected some of his relationships with his wife and his kids to build relationships with athletes to build relationships with vendors and the brand and going to Japan to get his shoe um, produced for cheaper and he spent so much time building this brand and sure he's a billionaire but it cost him one of his sons it cost him a difficult marriage although they're still together and they're happy again when he stepped away but those like that story really resonates because it's everybody wants that white picket fence and a perfect family and the perfect career where they're paid what they're worth but there's always sacrifices that come in life and everybody makes them so what to what are you willing to sacrifice to have those things and life is all about balance things are gonna suffer but some things are worth suffering more earlier now to see the see the labors blossom into beautiful things or whatever it may be everybody's motivated by different things um, I got a lot of friends that are you make sacrifices to better improve your lifestyle your, your family your, the pe- your loved ones you know um, and everybody's got different things that motivate them I have friends that are motivated by money because they think money is just going to solve everything I'm not a strong believer in that I believe that um, your health and your happiness are important and I believe having a balanced life is important. And I believe financial independence is critical to have a comfortable life, but it's not everything. I have one friend that we have a group of friends that, uh, but one friend that's always like, man, I want to be rich. I want to be rich. Well, define rich. Like, you know, I want to be a millionaire. No, maybe $8 million will help me. No, maybe $10 million. You know, I'm like, it's always going to be you're searching for something you can't a cheat like something you know you're trying to fill a hole yeah. in your soul that you can't fill but money isn't everything you can't enjoy it some people get there and then you need all that money for what you know unless you're rick james bitch uh, yeah there you go <laughs> <laughs> um for me i want to just have financial stability where i don't have to worry about the bills and just be comfortable enough um when others greed just takes them there i want to be able to raise kids and get married one day and have that balance and just be a good guy my whole life. I
0: And you have a significant <laughs> other right now that's beautiful. Yes. And she is a wonderful lady.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, being that male, being that... Machismo, because you're Mexican and you're the man <laughs> of the house. You, you hear that growing up, but... Life teaches you that relationships are 50-50 things, sometimes 40-60, sometimes 60-40, 70-30. Bro, you're Mexican. She's 60 in your <laughs> um But yeah. life is all about you know compromise and understanding and um, building something together. And um, Everybody wants to build. You have to find someone that you're willing to grow with and change with because who you are now will be very different than who you are in 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Well said. And I feel like I have friends. So for me, I want to say I was like 24, 25 when I realized who... Last year. <laughs> I wish. I wish I was... Not, you know, I don't wish I was there that long. I, I love where I'm at. People always say, oh, I would stay at this age or that age. I, you experience different things at different parts in your life. I I had a... <laughs> I have a cousin of mine that said to me a couple months ago, he said, in your 20s, you have all your fun, you're probably broke, going paycheck to paycheck, but you're just experiencing things and experimenting and doing all kinds of wild things. In your 30s, you celebrate all the milestones, right? And by that, he meant like, you're going to a lot of weddings, you're going to a lot of baby showers, you're going to a lot of birthday parties, you're going to celebrate a lot of milestones in your 30s. And in your 40s, if you're smart and do well, you're going to make most of your money. And I, you know, I, I thought to myself, I kind of laughed, but I thought, okay, well, let me, you know, I reflected back on it and very much so. my 20s were a lot of fun, sometimes paycheck to paycheck, but I lived, I traveled, I enjoyed, I had fun. Um, it was, it was, I loved the 20s. I, I, circling back to what I said earlier in the presentation, I said, in the interview, I said, high school was a lot of fun, but then I reached my, th- my 20s and that was a lot of fun. Now I'm in my 30s and I'm celebrating a lot of milestones. <laughs> but my friends have changed over the years. And, you know, and I'll talk about my friends that I have right now, but let me circle back and I was 24 or 25 when I realized that I knew who I wanted to be the rest of my life and as a person. I know that I'm comfortable with who I am as a man, what I want to be, like, my values, my morals. And a lot of people don't reach that at different ages. And I have friends that are Friends that knew that at 21, and they are married, and they're still happily married. I have friends that are 33, 34, and they still don't understand who they are and still think they can party and be this, but they, they just haven't found who they want to be the rest of their lives and what they want. So I think people hit that at different ages. Um, my friends have changed <laughs> in every... Friends have dropped off. In high school, I I follow them on social media, but I wouldn't even call them my friends, you know what I mean? They'll like your pages and stuff, and you'll, hey, happy birthday, but that's about it. My 20s friends are party. Like, you know, they were appropriate friends for that time. And now I have a group of friends that um, we are probably the most diverse group of friends you'll ever see. We have a Caucasian. We have an Indian. We have a Filipino. We have a Cambodian. We have a Hispanic like, it is the wildest you would see our significant others at a wedding, at one of my best friend's weddings. And, uh, and it was the most diverse group table. You guys are all about the same age? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we're all going through around the same things in our lives. And to us, there's three core things that we're all about. And those three core things are all about health, family, and finance. And I know this has, counts crazy, but we all talk about stock market. We all talk about... Um, not exact numbers of what we make and salaries and all that stuff, but how do we continue to grow? I have one friend who has seven rental properties um, and is a, has a small jewelry shop that was inherited by his wife, um, and that's how he makes his money. he He's my realtor, helped me get my first home. Um, I have another friend that's uh, him and my other buddy, it's in the same group, they went through some financial classes to learn how to invest in the stock market. Another friend that is a small, he has three small businesses, you know, And struggled to get there, but he knew. So we we are in this group, me, that we talk about every day, about the stock market or just finances or anything in general to continue to pursue financial independence um, for the future, right? Um, But we also work out together. We lift weights, we play basketball, um, and we're all about family. And those are the three core things that I've been friends with these guys six, seven, maybe eight years, some of these.
0: You are looking slimmer.
1: And I did lose like 50 pounds during the pandemic uh, doing this thing called the camp and watching everything I did. Um, but so the friends just change, you know, the friends change over, over time. And I, and these are buddies that I think I'm going to have for the rest of my life friends, you know, Um, they're almost like family. And we all like, we all look out for each other. We all got each other's back. Like, and I just, it's a good group of guys. And it's like, Other people aren't in the same mindset that we are in, you know. We're all around the same age. We have the same goals. I don't
0: hear too many 30-year-olds that are talking about the stock market and trying to help each other out and knowing about core values. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, right? Who would have (laughs) thought. As a 30-year-old,
1: you're talking about that? Okay. But it's important. And I got to tell you that when the stock market crashed in March, late March, uh, with the pandemic, was it, March 2020, right? Um, when it crashed, my buddies were like, this is a time to buy. And in the group chat, like, I was always about just putting money in the savings account, leave it alone. Well, now, I read three and a half investment books that were recommended to me. And I started really understanding the stock market a little bit better. And when the stock market crashed, it was the perfect time to dive in. But of course, I'm just diving a little bit of money and seeing and learning as I go, Right. Um, but I always, when it comes to money, just because I remember how tight it was as a younger individual with my parents, like very cautious with it. Very ca- if I make a financial decision, I'm very thorough, look into everything, pros and cons, I wait, I probably overanalyze, and then I make the decision. And with the stock market, I made a good chunk that helped me get to that final number that I needed to finally put a down payment on a house. And it was all because I bought at the right time picked stable companies that I believed in that had to come back up. It could have been two or three years, but it just happened to be that the market came up in seven, eight months, and it was wild. And I have a lot to do with my friends that I am involved with, you know, um, because they making. They chat about stocks every day. I even had to turn the notification off on my phone, like the group me. I just turned it off. I look at it throughout the day. I see what the market's doing. I got a Robinhood account, which is the easiest, like, yeah. perfect for an individual like me, but it, it works, and it does everything I needed to do. They're a little bit more advanced, doing options and different things, but I'm not there, and nor do I feel comfortable doing that just yet, yeah, but in the future. I also didn't have that kind of, like, uh, don't want to be lo- – you can win a lot on options, and you can lose a lot very quickly, and it's just, like, uh, not ready to do that. But stocks and stuff um, invested and worked out well. Took a big chunk of that out and used that as a down payment for a home, so um, it worked out well. And these friends, you know, help me get educated on that. But I help educate them. It's funny because we're all fascinated in what we each do. But to each of us in our own personal careers, like, it's not as exciting, you know. But to them, it's like, oh, man, like, hey, bro, like, you've got three convenience stores, like, three liquor stores, you know what I mean? Like, how'd you do that or what, you know, what's your, and you know. And then my other buddy, he's a physical therapist, like, I just, um, he's doing different things down the medical field. But it's fascinating to us, you know. Um, another bu- another buddy is in the pharmaceuticals, right? And uh, Like
0: legally or illegally? Legally. legally <laughs>
1: no. uh, the legal friends that were in the pharmaceuticals, they're, <laughs> they're, I don't know where they're at anymore.
0: He's part of Big Pharma. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's just fascinating because we all have diverse um, things. And then I want to eventually get into rentals in the future. So I want to diversify my portfolio because I think financial education is something that isn't taught in schools and isn't... Um, isn't educated for the people that grew up in less income, lower income areas. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not something that is friend center and you know, grant our grandparent like grandparents and even my parents have they're very conservative with their money. Which is right, because they had to make ends meet and they didn't have disposable income to allow for that to um, to gamble much, I guess you could say. For me, I want to make sure that I have knowledge that I can pass along to my kids on how to be financially educated. <laughs> so, you know, it's just... Uh, it's, it's just something that's important. And I talk to friends or even family members and they're like, oh, man, it's risky out there, the stock market and this and that. I'm like, totally get it. Totally get it. But if you become educated and you really understand how it all works and believe in brands and understand their financials...
0: but I don't even think if you believe in brands, you just got to understand what the stock market is doing because I know somebody Mm -hmm. that is not into Trump, right? But they saw or they heard something or they saw something when his uh, social media thing was going to come out and they opened up the stocks on that and it opened up at $12, they were like you know what, I'm going to put in money on this. And they started yeah. putting in money on that, and it started to climb, and then climb, and then climb.
1: Yeah.
0: I Not that they necessarily believed in that company, but they correct. just knew yeah, so these fanatics were just going to drive this market up.
1: I think uh, meme stocks, right? Yes. Meme stocks are interesting. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna sit here and lie to you and say that I wish I wouldn't have gotten into AMC when it blew up or um, GameStop, you know,
0: but... Everybody and they talked about AMC for, for, yeah, even right before they, oh. yeah, they talked about it. They and it came it
1: crashing, and some people lost a lot of money, and some people gained a lot, but also left some on the table because they wanted to get out before it blew up. Uh, Dogecoin or Dodgycoin, whatever it's Dogecoin. called, Dogecoin, Dogecoin. I invested very little money, right, just to see what the hell it was going to do. And I walked away with a profit that I was like, I don't even deserve this. It's like, I'm stealing candy from a baby. And sure enough, like, I was reading all the meme stocks with um, my buddies, and my buddies are like, there was only one other friend that said, gosh, this is stupid to do it. It doesn't make any sense. It goes against everything that all the financial institutions and books and, and Kathy Woods of the world or Warren Buffetts are going to say. Um, but it's a meme stock or it's a meme uh, cryptocurrency, and we should just get in. So, yeah. Um, That's the other one that I didn't get into because I I haven't had time recently to stay on that one, but with um, the other one, I invested. It it wasn't a lot. It was a few hundred bucks, and I walked away with more than double my money, and um, I didn't sell at the peak. I let it come down like five more percent, and I sold because I wasn't sure how much further up it would go, and it did climb maybe two more percent up, but I got out at a good time, and I walked away with I like abandoned not that it was a lot of money it wasn't even in the thousands but it was for a meme stock i was pretty happy with that so
0: yeah so is there any last words that you want to say before we cut you out of here yeah
1: um damn life is a roller coaster have some fun there'll be some lessons uh enjoy the ride and Try to be a good person out there. I think this world has a lot of... um, Negativity. A lot of negativity. A lot of people that um, have blinders on and are so uh, narrow-sighted. I remember I've never seen... I like politics. I have since I was a child. But I've never seen such a diverse country. And it's because every... I don't want to say everybody. That's not a fair statement. I think a lot of people don't see the big picture. Of what we can be when we are united so a lot of that stems from just being a good person a kind person someone that's open to respecting other people's opinions and if there's one lesson i learned from my old man is that people are going to have different opinions that's okay you just got to be respectful and listen if you don't agree it's okay you don't have to be their friends you don't have to um agree with them and that's okay and I think the world that we're living in is just uh, not as open-minded and just be respectful. <laughs> be respectful, be kind, be courteous, be open. You don't have to agree with everybody, but uh, yeah, just do that. And I think the world will be a better place and enjoy the roller coaster. Have balance in your life. Have balance in your life because um, you gotta enjoy the moments. You know, you sit back, and you, the things that you didn't think were going to matter, matter a lot more than you expect. I think that it's funny because when uh, I get together with my family, my brothers, you have a, we always have a great time, right? There's probably always a lot of alcohol flowing and a lot of inappropriate jokes, especially with my sister-in-laws. And um, However, it's those little moments that when you all get together, and actually some of the best moments that I've had are with my loved ones on the holidays just shooting the shit, <laughs> um, saying inappropriate jokes, having some tequila or some beer, sharing memories or making memories, whatever it may be, and uh, those are the little things that... Watching
0: your brother fall off of a skateboard.
1: Um, not just once, but I think it was multiple times. <laughs> and um, those little things are the moments that you'll cherish forever, and um, as I'm getting older, I'm also realizing, like, the moments that you have with your older family members, like your parents, your grandparents, like those little things mean so much more than any any other, any dollars or cents or other things. That Actually, that's one thing that Disney taught me is there were some things that I missed, like family events that I look back on and I'm like, man, I worked my ass off and like I skipped that because they needed me. Like, that was one thing that I learned. Work-life balance is important. So enjoy the moments. The little ones or the ones you think aren't so big turn out to be the biggest ones and, um, you in your last episode you talked about um, life and um, the ending of life or whatever comes after death and I think when it's all said and done and it's time and when the big guy upstairs calls if you lived a good life you lived a good life by being a good person being respectful and doing more for others than you did for yourself and I think that that's just uh, something that's very very
0: important to live with
1: that's all i got
0: that's awesome thank you i appreciate you uh being honest being candid right yep it's not uh something that you or your family grew up in your uh macho uncles and you know everybody always taught you to stuff your feelings down below and uh yeah but uh I appreciate this conversation. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys later. Well, that's it for now. I want to be clear on something. No one person grows up the same. Everyone has their own opinion and how they come up with it. That's why I started this, so that I can understand you and your guide to your path. If we all have different strengths, then maybe, just maybe, we can learn from each other.